Hello, everybody. My name is Jake McGrail, and alongside me are Diana Hong and Ollie Nicholas of CITR Sports, broadcasting from live from UBC's Point Grey campus, located on the unceded grounds of the Musqueam people. You're listening to Thunderbird Eye on CITR 101.9. Always keep you up to date with the latest UBC Thunderbirds news and stories. And it's been a while since we've been on the airs. We had to cancel our show that was set to happen last week. That means that we have two weekends worth of Thunderbirds action to recap, including the usual suspects of basketball, volleyball, and hockey, as well as our swim teams returning to the pool and the beginning of women's rugby sevens season. And then after that, we have something even bigger to play, as on Friday, one of our co-hosts, Mike Liu, flew to Beijing to be part of the Team Canada support staff for the upcoming Olympics. Before we left, we gathered remotely along with Corey Branson, who has said back in December is on Vancouver Island this semester, so he's not able to be on the show live, but since we pre-recorded that, we brought him on to talk to Mike about everything that's gone into preparing for the Olympic Games. Before we get to that, though, let's talk about our Thunderbird athletes here at home. First off, basketball, men's basketball. After 43 days away from competition, our men's basketball team showed no rest in their return to the court, putting up three more victories to bring their conference record to a dazzling 13-0, nothing, with one game against UBC Okanagan postponed due to COVID issues with the Heat. On Sunday the 16th, the Thunderbirds took out the UNBC Timberwolves up in Prince George, 93 to 74 while this past weekend the boys swept through the tru wolf pack at home 72 to 44 and 78 to 63 yeah the umbc uh kept their home game close uh through the harms time whistle trailing the thunderbirds but only three points heading into the third 41 38 the third quarter proved decisive for ubc however as they outscored the timberwolves 26 14 in the frame yeah, Grant Otto and James Woods, they've been leaders for this UBC team all season. They did it again uh, on that game, leading the Thunderbirds in scoring, putting up 21 and t- 22 and 21 points, respectively. Rookie Assay Morency was also efficient, going for 15 points in 15 minutes, while Jack Cruz Dumont had 10 points with three rebounds, three steals, and four assists. The following... Friday, defense was the name of the game against the Wolfpack. UBC was never in danger of relinquishing their lead, and the 44 points they allowed was their lowest total of the season. Uh, The key to the Thunderbirds' success on both ends of the court was the return of uh, Sukman Sandu to the lineup after seven weeks since his previous game. Uh, He was eased back in with just 20 minutes but still put up 25 points and 12 rebounds, leading the Birds in both categories. I mean, pretty insane numbers to be putting up that much of a double-double in just 20 minutes. Really just goes to show that Thunderbirds, it wasn't much competition against uh, the Wolfpack this past weekend. Nope. No other Thunderbird had the eye-popping stats as no one really had to play a ton as Hansen, coach Kevin Hansen used the blowout to cycle his bench in for the second half. Woods was the only other UBC player to hit double-digit points with 11. Cruz DeMont, he only had four points, but he did have seven assists and eight rebounds. On Saturday, TRU woke up somewhat, improving their woeful 19.4 uh, shooting percentage from the previous evening to a more respectable 32.2. It never felt like UBC was in serious danger, but the Wolfpack played very well throughout. <laughs> 
Uh, Audu, Sandu and Woods stayed hot uh, in the third game back. Grant had uh, 24 points and 8 rebounds. Uh, Sukman went for 13 points and 9 boards, whilst Woods tossed in 12 points of his own. Uh, Cruz Dumont settled in as the playmaker with 12 assists. Yeah, and just pointing out how, how much of a disparity there was on the weekend. Cruz Dumont, he had 19 assists on the weekend. That was only two less than TRU had as an entire team through the two games. Yep. Not not going great for the, uh, the Wolfpack. For UBC, next up, it's their biggest test against Victoria. UVic, they are second in the Canada West West Division. They have a 7-1 record. That one loss came to UBC in Vancouver back on October 30th, which feels like a lifetime ago now. (laughs) (laughs) Now, moving on to women's basketball team, the Thunderbirds. uh, Women's teams had COVID issues of their own two weeks ago, which postponed both their games. But they were able to take the court this past weekend. And after a first semester where they kept playing close games, they blew out TRU for two easy wins. Yeah, the first game was at 80-45 blowout where UBC outscored the Wolfpack 23-4 in the third quarter to put the game out of reach. TRU shot just 6 out of 30 from inside the three-point line and gave up 24 offensive rebounds. 23-4 yeah. to four in a single quarter. <laughs> that is not great. Emily Martindale, she scored a career-high 20 points and had seven rebounds. Olivia Weeks nearly double-doubled with 13 points, 9 rebounds, and 3 steals. And Haley Council scored 15 points in just 18 minutes. The Thunderbirds shot just uh, 5.24 from 3, but shot 48% from inside the arc and scored 46 points in the paint, more than TRU had as their final score. The rematch on Saturday was another smackdown as UBC was up 50-27 at halftime and extended the lead from there to win 94-54 in their highest scoring game of the season. Yeah, the Wolfpack really providing an opportunity for UBC to start the new year off right in this weekend. smackdown, I like that. (laughs) Yeah, Council, she led the way in scoring with 22 points while four Thunderbirds scored in double figures, including rookie Katie Hartman, who had a season-high 12 points. A big boost this weekend was the return of senior forward Madison Legault, who made her season debut this weekend after missing all of first semester due to injury. She was big on Saturday with 16 points, 7 rebounds, 4 assists, and 3 blocks. Uh, the Thunderbirds are now 5-7 and seven are sixth and are 6th in the West Division. They take on the 4-4 four and four Victoria Vikes this weekend. Uh, their one meeting earlier in the season ended with Uvic taking the win on the buzzer beater. Yeah, and it's, wor- it's worth pointing out, we've talked about the COVID postponements for some of these basketball games. It's happened with other sports. The UBC women's hockey team has not played yet in January and it's just something that's going to be an issue for the rest of the season. Games are going to keep being postponed. Canada West is the only conference in U Sports that's actually playing anything right now. Yeah. So <laughs> who it's really not clear what's going to happen with the playoffs, with the national championships. Other conferences are just trying to figure out how they're going to play at all. So we're, we're happy that there is stuff to cover, but it, it's all very uncertain. Yeah, yeah. and the core side, uh, they just announced core side is canceled as well, but at least the games are still happening, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Well, on to the swimming now. So after a nearly two-month break between events, the UBC swim teams took to the pool over the weekend in the College Cup held at SFU. 
competing against swimmers from both SFU and UVic, UBC athletes dominated with the Thunderbird uh, with Thunderbirds winning 20 out of the 24 individual races and UBC winning all four team races. Not only did the Thunderbirds win that many races, but in seven of the 24 individual races, both the first and second place finishers were from UBC and the birds swept the podium in the men's 200 meter breaststroke with Darren LaFrance, Joshua Kim, and Brayden Hemion. Yeah, there's too many names to go through for everyone who won a race because, as mentioned, UBC won over 20 of the races. But congratulations to Danielle Hennis, who won four, Josie Field, Emma O'Croynan, Blake Tierney, and Brooklyn Weens, who won three, and Jeffrey Chantel, Liam Clausen, Honeyman, Jaron LaFranc, Justice Mignot, Emma Spence, and Brody Young, who all won two races. <laughs> Impressive, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's just there's just so many swimmers doing well here at UBC. Yeah, just just a little bit. Mm. Yeah, six out of those eleven swimmers are from the women's team, which is looking to get back to their winning ways after finishing second at the Canada West Championships back in November. The next day, there was the UBC Senior Circuit here on campus, but we don't have results from that meet, unfortunately. Next up for our teams is the West Coast Collegiate in Victoria in two weeks. Yes, now going back a couple weeks, our volleyball teams didn't play this past weekend, but before that, they returned on the 14th and 15th, and both of our Thunderbirds teams recorded a pair of wins over Thompson Rivers here at home. TRU really doing us a solid in a couple of different sports recently. Uh, The women, they did drop a set in the first match, but they recorded a clean sweep in the second. Yeah, the Thunderbirds blew out TRU 25-12 in the opening set of the first match and then went up 2-0 before the Wolfpack pulled one back. UBC recovered, however, and closed out the fourth set with a uh, 25-17. UBC was without the services of two of their star players, setter Kayla Oxlin and lead attacker Kara Kovacs. Um, Gisela Gujer. Gujer, sorry, Gisela. Um, made her first career start at Sutter um, and had 35 assists, uh, six digs, and six aces. Yeah, and in the absence of Kovacs, it was Trinity Selecki who had her biggest performance of the season. She had a team high, nine kills and 11 digs, while Erica Vermette had seven kills, a career high, 17 digs, and four blocks. The Thunderbirds dominated at the net with 10 team blocks led by Claire uh, Cossarini with six. They also had 13 aces. The second match was a 3 to nothing victory and TRU only cracked 20 points in one of the three sets. Bryn Passin led UBC with seven kills and seven digs while hitting 462. Yeah, the Thunderbirds, they only had 27 kills as a team, which isn't a huge amount, but they were helped by the Wolfpack committing 17 service errors in just those three sets. And UBC also had nine aces, led by Selecki, who had three, which is a season high for her. Mm. Yeah, onto the men's side, uh, the Thunderbirds had a marathon of a match on night one with set scores of 27 to 25, 29 to 27, 25 to 13, 25 to 23, and 15 to 13. After over two and a half hours, UBC was thankfully able to pull it out. This match was really ugly when it came to serving, as the two teams combined for an incredible 61, 61 service errors. 61. <laughs> I, 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 I was doing commentary for this, for this match. 
it was it was tough to watch at points. <laughs> they just the, the number of times you just hit it into your own net over and over and over. And like I said, the it, like well not like I said like Ollie said, the game lasted over two and a half hours. I was I was at War Memorial Gym until eleven p.m. Oh calling Lord. this game, watching gonna... sixty service errors happen. <laughs> I was gonna say I haven't uh, listened to your commentary on that. How do you? Stay upbeat. How do you? <laughs> <laughs> there it goes again. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank thankfully I uh, I had someone else there to do color. Uh, Emily Cordonier, mm-hmm. who's a uh, a UB former UBC women's volleyball player herself. Okay. And she she was the one that was more annoyed because she had to uh, uh, re up her parking twice <laughs> over oh. the course of the night because it was going so long. <laughs> so funny. I could I could just turn it over to her and she would complain about it and so I didn't have to remain upbeat. Okay, <laughs> Did she get a parking ticket or anything? No, she didn't. Oh, she got good. out fine. Imagine <laughs> staying here till eleven, get a parking ticket. <laughs> 61 service hours. I think, I think the Horrible. team would have to have a whip round. <laughs> that, that yeah. Pass the hat with the team. Um, so out of that, UBC at least had 16 aces led by Michael Do- oh, Dohanyak. Dohanyak, who had five. Yeah, Matt Neves, he had 10 of those service errors which led UBC, but from open play, he was fantastic. He had 17 kills and a 433 hitting percentage. And then Cole Bransma, who's been a bit of a breakout player so far this season, he started in place of Colton Liu, who is injured currently, and he had a career-high 15 kills. Uh, rookie setter Mason Greaves uh, had a season-high 52 assists, although UBC hit just uh, 2.30, was that 0.230 as a team, uh, their second lowest total of the season. The second match was a little better as UBC won 3 to nothing. Uh, the service line still had issues as the birds had 25 service errors along with 11 aces. The Wolfpack, meanwhile, had just one ace and 23 service errors. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it was, I think the two games combined, like 110 service errors over the eight <laughs> sets that were played. Is that a new record? Like, I'm, I'm not sure whether is. that's, a, I didn't look if that was a school record or not, but. <laughs> <laughs> they they got to fix that up. Yeah. <laughs> Neves and Gerard Murray both had 11 kills in this match to lead the way for UBC, while Bransma had a team-high seven digs along with his six kills. Uh, along with Lou, uh, rookie uh, middle blocker James Vincent also missed both matches due to injury. In his place, Tyson Smith, who is normally a Libro, uh, stepped up to play as an attacker. He had six kills over the two games, twice as many as in the first four years of his UBC career. Yeah. Um, both volleyball teams are now 5-3. to three. The woman third and the men second in the BC division. This weekend, they take on the top team on both sides, Trinity Western, the Spartans men's team, were ranked number one in the country leading into 2022 and the women's team number four. So I hope the service there is kind of, <laughs> redu- you know, decrease you, you, it. You, you can get away with it when you're playing a team that otherwise you're better than, <laughs> but with Trinity Western, they don't lose many games no. ever. So you need, you need to play very well against them. It'll be, uh, should be at least very good games, and I believe they're sold out as well mm. for this weekend. Of course, there's a 50% capacity limit here at War Memorial Gym, but uh, other- otherwise, it should be 50% full. So that- that'll be pretty fun. And we're now going to take a quick break for ads and PSAs. When we come back, we're going to talk about hockey, women's rugby, and then have our segment with Mike. Mike. 
Accessibility. Disability. Mental health. ADHD and ADD. And many, many more topics we explore and cover. But where? On, On CITR's All Access Pass. A unique and collectively run show on equity, inclusion, and creating awareness for people of all abilities in BC and around the world. Catch us every other Wednesday afternoon from 3 to 4. If you want more info or want to get involved, please find us on Facebook or send us an email at accessibilitycollective at citr.ca. Has the gloom of winter got you feeling down? What about the dreaded, sinking sensation when faced with piles of to-do lists? Chase away the blues this month by revisiting the Victory Square Block Party and Discorder Magazine's real-life action column. Pick up a copy at Big Joy Barber and gather your dancing shoes for a luscious journey into Primps Daytona. Or drop by Far Out Coffee and reflect on the nature of vulnerability with Franz the Poet. Dive into the depths of theater with Rhiannon Colette. Learn about community spaces that heal with Day Shields and explore the core of connection with Brendan Post's Heavy Petting, which premiered at the 2021 Vancouver International Film Festival. Before you go, come chat with our programming manager, Jasper Sloan Yip, for tips on how to make damn good radio from home. Through rain or shine, Discord Magazine is here for you. Forever local and forever free. Welcome back. You're listening to Thunderbird Eye on CITR 101.9. And now we're going to talk about our men's hockey team. Unfortunately, the women's hockey team has not been able to play yet in the new year due to postponements. The men's team also had postponements of their own two weeks ago. But the Thunderbirds came back with a weekend split against the University of Calgary Dinos. Uh, yeah, the Thunderbirds earned a 3-0 win on Friday. Uh, Ryland Toth tied uh, Canada West regular season record in this game with his third consecutive shutout, stopping all 36 shots that he faced. Yeah, after a scoreless opening period, Connor McDonald, he found the back of the net late on a power play. That was his first as a Thunderbird in the second period. The score remained one nothing until very late in the game when UBC scored two empty netters from Chris Douglas and Austin Glover to seal the win. The next day of their doubleheader, however, did not turn out the way the Thunderbirds wanted, and the Dinos took a 7-4 win over the Thunderbirds. This ended both the Thunderbirds' home unbeaten streak as well as Toth shutout streak. Mm, the Dino took a 2-0 lead through 20 minutes, but the Thunderbirds came back strong, scoring four in a row to take a uh, two-goal lead heading into the final period. This included two goals from captain uh, Tyler Sandu and one each from Scott Atkinson and Kyle McNabb. Yeah, things were looking good. Score four goals in a row. You love to see that. But then things went very bad. The Dinos scored five unanswered goals answering all the way back to UBC, and that gave the Thunderbirds their first home loss of the season. However, despite the loss, the T-Birds still clinched a Canada West playoff berth this past weekend, so it's not all bad. Yes. Um, <laughs> the one other bad uh, piece of news from this game was that defenseman Matt LeDuc left the game early in the second after he was hurt by the Dinos. Josh Maser hitting him hard into the boards. Maser received a five-minute uh, major on the play, and hopefully Luke won't have to miss any other games. 
The Thunderbirds head on the road this weekend to face uh, the Regina Cougars, uh, the first of four straight games away from home as UBC will now fight to make sure they have home ice advantage in the playoffs. Yeah, and those two games, they were not all the UBC hockey news from this past weekend, however, as the Vancouver Canucks dealing with lots of COVID issues amongst their goaltenders meant they needed to find an emergency backup for their game on Sunday. And who did they call? Well, they called UBC's Roland Toth. Toth did not play, but he was in warm-ups and on the bench for the Canucks watching them sadly fall in a shootout to the Florida Panthers. Toth is the second UBC goalie to be named a Canucks emergency backup after Matt Hewitt a few years ago. And there were some a lot of wholesome moments there. It was really cute. Yeah, it was, it was very cool <laughs> watching the game on TV and uh, with my family and then pointing out, I was like, hey, that's the UBC goalie <laughs> right there. Yeah, and then he had like his UBC mask on and oh my, it was very cute. Yeah. And he, he he was in warm-ups. He was probably pretty warm. He just played both the last two days. So maybe good that he didn't have to get called upon to play yeah. for a third day in a row. Yep. Um, on to women's rugby now. Uh, the women's rugby sevens team was in action this uh, week at the Canada West Rugby Sevens Tournament, which is hosted by the University of Alberta. The Thunderbirds put in an impressive display, finishing second overall in the tournament. UBC started the tournament off well with a 38-7 win over Lethbridge before beating Calgary 29-14. However, unlike in 15th play, um, they could not stay undefeated as they lost um, 12-7 to to Victoria. Yeah, this put UBC in third place out of the six teams heading into the second day. And the structure of the tournament meant that after each team played their fifth game, the two with the best records would face off against each other one more time for the tournament title. Uh, the Thunderbirds opened up day two with a dominant 54 to nothing victory against the Trinity Western Spartans before continuing their form by defeating the tournament host Alberta Pandas. 33-12 to 12 to secure a rematch against the undefeated Victoria Vikes, who are uh, for first place. Unfortunately, the Thunderbirds would have to settle for second place overall with an inspired Sarah Kaljuvi performance leading the Vikes to victory, defeating the Thunderbirds 12-5. to 5. Yeah, the Vikes, they posted a 6-0 record en route to capturing their fourth University of Alberta tournament title since 2017. Although the T-Birds didn't win the title, special mention does go to Savannah Bowder, who was the star of the women's 15s team back in the first semester. And she was the star of the Thunderbirds for this tournament as well, with eight tries, which was more than anyone on any of the six teams. Yeah, the Canada West Rugby 7 Series will now head to Victoria as the Vikes host Tournament 2 on February 12th and 13th at Wallace Field. And then UBC will host the final tournament on February 25th and 26th in Vancouver. So there's some chance for redemption uh, and to carry on with their impressive performances. Yes, hopefully they can do that. But for now, it's now time to turn our attention to the segment we mentioned at the top of the show where me and Diana and Corey all spoke with Mike over Zoom to talk about what's gone into preparing for the Olympics and what he's looking forward to now that he's been uh, Beijing. This is Jake McGrail of CITR Sports, and we are meeting over Zoom today because one of our very own, Mike Liu, is preparing to head to Beijing for the Olympic Games to be part of Team Canada as a volunteer. So what exactly is your role with Team Canada, Mike? 
So um, I'm a part of the I'm a volunteer member of the mission team, which is a little different than traditional Team Canada volunteers. So obviously, uh, there's Team Canada runs a volunteer program for each and every games, and uh, usually a bunch of different roles. But most prominently, it's with something like Canada, it's something like with Canada House, which is like the unofficial embassy for friends and family and guests who can come visit and get a taste of Canada at the Olympics. Unfortunately, because of the pandemic, um, they haven't been able to offer. Uh, Canada House or anything like that um, for the Tokyo 2020 Games and upcoming Beijing Games. So, um, yeah, no, um, basically, I'm going to be a volunteer member of the mission team, which is a role that is uh, a role that has a lot more responsibilities, but also comes with a lot more perks. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, um, I'm basically on the ground in Beijing, just helping basically get get the Canadian athletes, their support, their, their support staff, and basically anyone involved with Canada, uh, just making sure that their, their games runs as smoothly as possible. And what was, what was it like applying to visit to the position? How did you get involved with this in the first place? So funnily enough, uh, I didn't actually apply for this position. It was sort of really just random, just one moment. Like, uh, I previously applied to volunteer at the Tokyo 2020 Games with Team Canada, and I got the position, but unfortunately, because of the pandemic, um, because I was supposed to originally volunteer as part of Canada House, um, it got axed, so I didn't get the chance to be able to do that. Um, now, though, uh, basically back in, like, September, I want to say, um, the time is a flat circle, so it's all blending together for me, but... Um, <laughs> Back in September, I got an email because I had applied and I put down uh, all of the, have my uh, resume, my uh, different different skills I have on record and also as well as interview record. And um, essentially, I one of the mission team leaders reached out to me. They were looking for someone who could speak uh, English, French, and Mandarin uh, to help oh. round out, out, out their team. So, I mean... Just, well, I just was like, hey, I'll send in a resume, see what happens, and here we are. Just like a subtle flex. Um, English, <laughs> French, and Mandarin. Mm -hmm. <laughs> barely, barely, barely French, and my Mandarin's already shaking. It's okay. <laughs> hey, I'm a, I'm a trilingual student ready to be a volunteer. How many of those do you got? <laughs> I mean, other than, like, you know, the three languages, multi- um, you speak of uh, what kind of prep work have you done for this trip, including all like the COVID stuff? <laughs> oh my God, the COVID, the COVID stuff has been a large part of it, but it's on the other part has been uh, learning basically new software, um, just getting ready for more efficient games delivery and just like getting used to a lot of the Canada platforms, attending meetings early in the morning because obviously. Team Canada as their headquarters are in Toronto, Montreal. So that basically means that I'm up at like 8 a.m. just on a Microsoft Teams meeting, getting getting to know my teammates, getting to um, just familiarize myself with what I'll be working with, getting updates, which have been very slow uh, with everything being so uncertain. I mean, basically you take what you can get. And yeah, that's uh, that's been the process. It's been ramping up ever so slowly uh, since... I want to say November. Everything's just been getting more and more real as um, my flight approaches, the games opening ceremony approaches. You've had to uh, you've had to isolate yourself a lot too. <laughs> Being your yeah, own no, it, it, it's one of those things where it's like a, a positive because the the COVID uh, the COVID requirements 
to begin with to get into uh, China is ridiculous. It, it's extremely strict, and we've seen uh, in the sporting world itself already the qualifications. Like the Canadian bobsled team had was impacted by COVID nineteen outbreak. Uh, women's hockey team wasn't able to play any more games because they were worried about testing positive for COVID. So in a sense, I've basically locked myself up in my house in my room. I've barely left the house since um, December twenty fifth. Yeah, just hoping to test negative and stay positive throughout this entire thing. Well, stay positive, but stay negative. You, Mike, you talked about uh, using Microsoft Teams to chat with your teammates and people like that. Have you had any opportunities to rub elbows with any of the athletes up to this point? Not yet. And I say yet because... Um, Oh, part of my role is being uh, so being able to move partially into into a village um, early uh, in the pre-games period. So what I'll what what's going to happen eventually is that I'll probably end up having to uh, make sure an athlete is able to transfer from a place to a place. So it's just like, hey, I mean, uh, I, I mean the one. Actually, don't know about. Yeah, no, like I haven't had a chance to rub elbows with any of the current Team Canada athletes, but there's a lot of um, retired athletes involved with the mission team. For instance, uh, Catriona Lamedon, she's the chef de mission for this uh, Beijing Games, obviously, uh, one, uh, a, a speed skater. Um, yeah, but um, it's that kind of it's that kind of vibe, and I mean, basically everybody involved has some sort of background, either working with athletes or they were athletes themselves. So it's interesting. And this guy says um, he can speak French. That was incredible pronunciation. Okay. Um, so what are you most excited for? I mean, you know, the whole little lemon gigs that you're gonna oh get. God. And also maybe like um, a little gift, like just uh, tiny like parka, you know, like fancy parka. I would love that when you come back. Thank you. <laughs> Hey, all for one, one for all. If you get something for Diana, you're getting something for all of us. Yeah, like a team team jacket, you know? Th- yeah. does, this count as, does this count as tampering? <laughs> um, you're not an athlete, it's fine. <laughs> so, yeah, um, part of my role as well is that I do get outfitted, uh, a full outfit from uh, Lululemon. Um reasons for reasons currently out of their control it's a bit we probably won't get distributed until sometime during the game sometimes during the lead up to the opening ceremonies when i'm in beijing makes sense logistically um but yeah no i'm pretty excited just about the entire experience i mean getting getting to go back to china it's pretty exciting in and of itself and i mean being part of going to my first and hopefully not my last olympics i mean i'm going to just try and absorb everything that I can and just hope to be back the sooner rather than later. Yeah, you know what I'm excited for? I'm looking forward to that little lemon park guy. So she's gonna stay warm. <laughs> like, no pressure. Like, you know, I won't get mad, but like just the, the yes. <laughs> Mike who has already given me a Pacific FC jersey. <laughs> we need more. Yeah. My plug. Of course. <laughs> You, you mentioned that you're excited to go back to uh, to China. What, what is your day-to-day life going to be like when you're in Beijing? You're obviously going to have time where you're not working. What are what are you going to be able to get up to? Uh, that's still very to be determined. I mean, 
uh, with how China's hosting the, Beijing's hosting the games in a closed loop system, I won't really get the chance to be able to do touristy stuff or even step outside of the hotel. I've been told that it's like been fenced off and everything, and it's like it, we're in our own bubble. And I, I might not be working uh, all the time, but it's going to be in that mindset and environment. So just. I think my day-to-day -day life, I think I'm just gonna have to find a way to be able to balance things. I mean, we're staying in a hotel, there should be some stuff that I can get up to. And obviously uh, as a full-time student still, I still have to do quizzes, midterms, uh, balancing that time, massive time difference, which is <laughs> always fun. Um, but yeah, no, obviously some days might be a little bit more exciting. I do uh sometimes well i sometimes might be able to get access to the village so there is a chance that i'll be able to maybe get some fresh air but with how everything's going i mean again day-to-day -day life is something that i need to just figure out once i get there you talked about the things you're excited about when you're there is there anything that's come up that you were sort of surprised by when they let you know or something you just weren't expecting that's been in the lead up here um there's something that wasn't so much not expecting as things that just become a reality as you start facing them. I mean, especially with COVID, how the new variants impacted um, almost everything. And just the, the fear of testing positive on uh, the lead up. Obviously, I'm just, I'm just a mission team member, so it's not like the end of the line for me, but imagine if an athlete gets in and they won't be able to be competing with how China has different testing requirements, more stricter requirements and how you can still be positive even weeks after um, you've originally got COVID and recovered. It's um, it's hard and it's just a matter of just trying your best to isolate yourself and doing your best to make sure you're as safe as possible. And obviously there's a bunch of different concerns with um, everything that's going on, but only thing you can really do is just stay positive and try and get, get through all of it. Have you been told what the the policy would be in the case if when you're already in beijing something happens with the bubble and someone does test positive whether an athlete or support staff or something like that like what would the what would the reaction or response be then yeah so um with with that uh you're taking a you're taken to a quarantine hotel where you're you have access to the internet but you're basically stuck in your room and you won't you won't be able to be you won't be able to be out of there until you produce two negative results which is a lot harder than it it, it sounds uh unfortunately but yeah no it's it's very 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 strict with how they're handling how they're dealing with it is there anything uh that you have like potential like worries or concerns about besides just getting the negative tests and being able to to go there in the first place honestly not really because uh just i'm really grateful to be part of team canada um because they have such a good support environment and how basically there's so many people that are more experienced than i am there's so many people that know even in these uncertain circumstances like there's always someone that can help you out so honestly like apart from just testing negative i i'm feel pretty feel pretty um comfortable heading in and it's a situation that i know i will be on my role i might be a little bit stressed out i might be um you know, i might be um oppressed for time or just in a high stress situation but 
I know they always have my, I have my teammates help me out to have somebody else to talk to. And yeah, you know, I, I it's honestly a really, really nice situation to be in apart from just testing negative. Um, so you kind of touched based on like how your schedule is going to be with school still going on. Um, so what are some of the things that you did or what you're going to do being a student while do, trying to explain? fully experience this Olympics. Oh my God, I'm writing a midterm at 3 a.m. halfway through the games. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so it's a, 16, it's a 16 hour time difference between uh, Vancouver and China and Beijing. So um, I, I've literally had to go into my each of my syllabuses, make sure that I've converted it into the time zone. I'm just like, oh my God, I need to request time off here and here and here. Luckily, I'm not missing too much. I have like two quizzes that I need to write and but that one midterm at 3 a.m that might that's either going to be a really early start or a really uh late night like you won't be sleeping basically yeah basically won't like are you you're going to be attending classes live all the time like while you're there in the middle of the night uh no I I'm luckily all my classes are online so I'm doing pretty well in that sense um yeah, no. Well, actually, I have one class in person, but uh, the the um, the course uh, itself, I, I don't have a midterm or any assessment to write until after I get back. Give me one moment. I just tested negative today or yesterday. Yay! Yeah, Mike is officially going to the Olympics. Well, no, now. I have to do one more test. This one has to be negative as well. But no, like, he's not officially oh going, God. but he's maybe officially there. going. I'm halfway there. Holy. <laughs> 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 so stay home. Sorry, like no the evil The evil just popped up, and I was just like, "What the?" CITR and getting emails important to your life. Name a more iconic duo. <laughs> while while recording. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They finished at 4 p.m. yesterday and they waited until 2 p.m. today to send it to me. What the <laughs> Oh, now Mike swears so we can't include this on the broadcast. Love that. Beep it, I'll bleep beep it, it. I'll bleep, bleep it. it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> forget, us. forget about midterms. We got COVID tests. Yes. Yes. Oh, but you, you're going to stay up for our CITR? Live. Um, luckily the CITR meetings are like early mornings for me, which is like not that bad because considering that my shifts usually start at like 7 a.m. So I oh, could, so like 5 a.m. Yeah, I could uh, I could honestly like call in. <laughs> <laughs> we we'll we we'll, we'll see if we can have you do that. That would that would be fun having you call in live from the Olympic bubble. Oh, of course. Uh, yeah, uh, you gotta come up with like a jingle for it. Right? Like something that we can play on air, like live from Beijing, like blue, right? With a little like, like classic, like news room sort of sound that they use. Our foreign report just for CITR <laughs> and for the BBC. <laughs> so Wait, sorry, I really for, hope sorry for derailing you have everything. To Instagram. What? Oh my God. <laughs> sorry for derailing everything. What else, what else are we doing? <laughs> I got a question for you here. Yeah. Um, not going to lie, this is influenced by me watching the Harry Potter reunion special last night, uh, which is super good, by the way. If you like <laughs> Harry Potter, like, watch it. It's so, super fun. Not anyway, sponsored. It made, me, it made me think of the line from Goblet of Fire that's like, 
the the international magical cooperation that's the whole point of the tournament how many opportunities are you going to get to interact with people from other uh, olympic committees so that's actually pretty well there's a decent chance actually so um i'm going to be mainly working in team canada's performance center uh, which we apparently also are sharing. I, I'm not certain, but we, there might be another um, NOC there. Alternatively, alternatively, like obviously the village itself, I'll probably run into people and be like, hey, what's up? You want a pin? And also like shout out to Santa Ono. Uh, I'd sent him a DM on Twitter and he just, I was like, hey, uh, I asked him, hey, can I have some pins? And he just hooked me up with a box of pins. So I'll be doing some of that Olympic pin trading while I'm over there with UBC pins. Nice. And so is the village, obviously it's a very, very contained, very strict bubble, but within it are all the athletes from all the different countries just going to be mingling with each other? Uh, or is no it more, idea. more separated? Uh, it, there probably will be. Um, again, I, I wouldn't be privy to most of that information, but I could assume there's like some sort of like protocols to stay apart from each other. I mean, you, there's some videos about uh the cafeteria arrangements where there's like plexiglass everywhere like that and you know, like little cubbies but i mean at its core the games are about the international community getting together um for sport so i wouldn't see why not there would be some safe interactions between different countries and all that but like okay <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm like the blue lemon gig <laughs> <laughs> This is important. You forget about trading. It. Forget about trading the pins. We need to like get yeah. more gear somehow. <laughs> Bring it back. No, but trading pins is actually really fun. Like, because you know, these some of the workers there, like they've been working on at the multiple Olympics and they have these pins from like, you know, like yeah. 10, 20 years ago. And there's actually people like who's sitting in front of like when I was working at IBC, like this guy just sits. Like he's just sitting in front of the road and just like trading pins. And I think I got one. Like I don't know. Like I, I don't know if I'll be. I don't, I don't know if I'll be able to do that just because. Um, COVID. Yeah, like I, I can't. I can't like interact with uh, the public, general public, which is. It's just an unfortunate reality of the games, but I mean obviously there's going to be support staff and like other athletes who are much more experienced. They might be also training pins. So, Hey, you know, I'll, I'll just carry around a couple of pins in my bag and we'll see what happens. Take those uh, UBC pins, you know, they worth a lot of money. So <laughs> <laughs> trade them. Of course. All of Mike's experience trading Pokemon cards as a child. <laughs> there we are. <laughs> Except it's a lot, a lot lower stakes for this one. <laughs> yeah of course and i'm just excited and i as like i'm gonna miss doing the show every single week um but in person yeah, no. in person in person uh but i hope uh, hope to be back soon and hope to bring back a lot of stories to be able to tell all right um we miss Mike already. <laughs> we were just... Um, he, he has landed, we can't confirm. And he, yes. he is in Beijing. Mm. Yes. How, how long is he expected to be out there for? Uh, he's going to be out there until like the... Around reading week? Was okay. Yeah. Like end of February? So, yeah. So uh, just about a month. Yeah. Okay, nice. But we miss Mike and I, oh, I will keep up. But yeah, <laughs> anyways, I'm like crying though. No. He dropped like, you know, a few F-bombs. Okay. <laughs>
<laughs> okay, so back to schedule. So guess who's taking the outro? Me, <laughs> Diana. Where are you at, Corey? Um, okay, so this Friday we have we only have men or uh, hockey and volleyball games this week because both basketball teams have their bye week. Um, on Friday, men's hockey, they're off to Regina, Saskatchewan, um, to play against University of Regina. And women's hockey is off to Calgary to against the Dinos um, at, for a doubleheader for both teams, as well as women's volleyball team. They'll be playing home against the Spartans, um, doubleheader, as well as men's volleyball will be playing in Vancouver, home ground against the Spartans as well. It's going to be a good game. I believe they are sold out. Um, yeah, 50% capacity sold yes. out. Um, uh, but there is the sad news that Winter Classic and Corsair, they're both canceled for sure this year, which is very upsetting, very sad, but at least the games are still happening. Mm -hmm. uh, next week, uh, we also have a feature from uh, a runner, Josh Kozel. Uh, they had a great season, the running team, uh, in their cross-country season. So I caught up with Josh to hear about their season and hear about his personal improvements having moved here from UVic and he achieved all Canadian um, status uh, so he's done really well and he kind of talked to me about his process and ooh, it was a friendly chat we're friends I'll, I'll you know full okay. disclosure okay. <laughs> full disclosure <laughs> we're friends it was friendly I didn't grill him and I didn't need to because he, he deserved it because he had a great season <laughs> oh he deserved it yeah. if we if we bring on someone who didn't have a great season they're gonna they're gonna be not the ringer. What went wrong? <laughs> what what happened? You didn't train hard enough. <laughs> and no friends. Yeah. <laughs> if, if you don't have a good season, we're not going to be friends. Yeah, honestly. Don't take this interview and think I'm going to be like this with everyone. <laughs> so, Thunderbirds, if you're listening to this, you better watch out. You're going to get it together. Um, no more service errors for the men's volleyball team. Oh, don't let me interview them. <laughs> as soon as, as soon as Ollie knows more about volleyball, we're gonna set him loose on on the team. He's gonna he's gonna grill him. It'll oh be great. <laughs> but uh, that'll be great. We'll have the interview with Josh on next show, along with the recaps of the hockey and volleyball. And with that, thank you for tuning in to Thunderbird Eye on CITR 101.9. Besides listening to the show, the best way to keep up to date with UBC Thunderbirds news and stories is to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at CITR Sports. And next up on CITR is the All Access Pass. For Thunderbird Eye, this has been Jake McGrail, Diana Hong, and Ollie Nicholas. With contributions from Corey Branson and Mike Liu. Thank you for tuning in, and have a great rest of your day.